Good. Good morning. It's lovely to be with you. Thank you for inviting me uh, to be with you. Uh, as Aaron said, my name's Dale Barlow. I, um, I'm married to the lovely and long-suffering Jane, who sat here in the front row. Uh, we've got three grown-up daughters, um, Paige, who is 28 and married to Ed. Uh, Charlie, who's 27, lives in so uh, central London. She's a social worker. And our little one, Jordan, is 24 and having stretched out university for five years. Uh, she is finishing this summer. I, I left school and uh, I started to work for the police. I was a policeman for 12 years. Uh, I happened to read the Sun newspaper that they'd abolished the height limit. And so I applied and got a job and that was 12 years of my life gone right there. And then... Uh, I left the police and started to work full-time for King's Church in Oxted. And uh, when New Ground started around nine years ago, as Aaron said, our family of churches, I still carried on leading the church and started to do a bit for New Ground. And then eventually I was working half-time leading the local church in Oxted and the other half-time working for New Ground. And then in January, just gone uh, this year, I stopped working for the local church I stopped leading the eldership team after 17 years. I'm still an elder there, but I'm now employed full-time by Newground. And my role in Newground has uh, always been to kind of oversee some of the operational side of things, uh, events and staff and finance. Uh, also working closely with Dave Holden, uh, I've been the ever-present member of the core team. Uh, at one time, it was just Dave and me. Uh, took us three, four attempts to get the core team right. Uh, me and Dave have been the, uh, the ever-present through. And uh, so I've had the thrill and joy of doing that. And then along the way, somewhere, uh, somehow, God got me involved in supporting churches and spending time with eldership teams. And now I think I gather around 18 new ground churches in three different groups each month. And we kind of fellowship and pray and talk about church life and stuff, and once a term we get together and pray and talk about church planting. And then outside of those meetings, I try, as Aaron said, to come over and meet with individual lead elders and eldership teams. And I try and get out and visit the churches at least once a month, uh, sorry, once a year. And uh, so that's what I do. So sorry if that's too much information, but maybe it just sets you a little bit of context as to who is this idiot standing in front of us this morning. That, honestly, I know what's coming. I, 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 you know, I, get, I get in a worse light in a minute. Uh, but that's a little bit about who I am and kind of things that I do. And hopefully a little bit about what goes on maybe behind the scenes uh, in Newground just to try and help support your elders, your leaders. And actually about 18 months ago, knowing uh, that I was going to begin a slightly different season in my life, I was going to stop leading the local church. I was going to work full time for Newground. I knew I'd begin to uh, travel more and speak more. I asked God, God, what do you want me to speak about when I go and visit churches? I, I can preach. Uh, I've done a bit of it over the last 17 years. So I can do a little bit, but it's not really my main gift. Uh, it's not really. And I knew I'd never be able to fit in with everybody's uh, preaching series. So I prayed for a year and God gave me not one, but two preachers. Isn't God a good God? I mean, that's abundance as far as I'm concerned. And you know, God, I'm going to be in the churches, God. What do you want me to pray about? God gave me two preachers. And uh, this morning, I'm going to preach one of them. And if it's any good, there is another one to come at uh, some point in the future. And I, I felt God speak to me about either speaking about the Holy Spirit or about family. Not 2.4 adults and children family, but the wider 
thing of church, family, and individuals. And uh, actually, I felt God say to me, don't, don't expound a, a passage of Scripture, if that's the right you know, phrase. Don't even want you to look across the, the Bible and pull together verses about either of those two, uh, which is really you know, how I normally preach. It's you know, how we preach week on week in Oxted. But I felt God say to me, I want you to share some of your personal experiences around the Spirit and around being part of God's family. I want you to tell some stories and hopefully uh, we can draw some things out of that that we can learn. And so this morning I'm going to look at the Holy Spirit and really I'm going to tell you three personal stories that relate to the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm praying that God uh, will you know, teach us and encourage us But then I'm really praying that when I stop speaking, which might be a blessing, and we have 10 minutes and we just have a little bit of quiet music and we invite the Holy Spirit to come, my prayer is that he comes and meets with us individually. Otherwise, these are just words. And I don't believe the kingdom of God is just about words. Uh, So that's my prayer. Can I pray for us? Lord Jesus, we do want to bless you and thank you, Lord. We do come before you this morning, Lord. We're not just bring in words, Lord. We're speaking things that you've done, truths about you. So, Lord, right now, we just open up our hearts. We open up our ears. We say, Holy Spirit, will you come and move among us this morning in whatever way, whatever shape, whatever form you want to do? Will you speak however you want to, to whoever you want to, in whatever way you want to? Lord, we're not trying to twist your arm. Lord, but we will come and just quietly wait for you. Just quietly wait for you, Lord. So we say, Lord, come. As we sang in those songs, come Holy Spirit. Come and meet with us. Come and touch our hearts. That's our prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Okay, so I hope that's okay. I've got nothing else because I haven't finished the family preach yet. So we're kind of going to have to go with it. Now let me start off with a verse which always makes me smile uh, when I read this. John 16, 6-7 says this, rather you're filled with grief because I've said these things. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples because he's just told them that he's going away. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says to them, it's better that I go because if I go, then I'll send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And I'm sure those disciples are thinking, how can anything be better than being with you, Jesus? How can or or who can be better than having you with us? But that is what Jesus says. And the answer he gives is the Holy Spirit. It's going to be better for you. So let me tell you my first story. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I went to church once before the age of 15. Uh, I was there to hold the flag at a Boy Scouts parade, and I thought it was the most boring thing I had ever been to. And yet somehow at the age of 14 or 15, out of nowhere, God saved me. I won't go into details about that because that's just a dangling there for the other preach. Uh, if I get there one day. But I I got saved and I started going along to a local Baptist church and they taught me about forgiveness and about salvation and about uh, the word and a whole load of stuff. But they didn't really teach me anything much about the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was clear there was a Holy Spirit. There was a third person of the Trinity. But what did he actually do? Things like healing, like we heard this morning. Wasn't that amazing? In terms of arthritis, I mean, just to say... 
Things like prophecy, I had no idea. A lot of stuff that I read in the New Testament particularly, they really didn't explain about. And so between the ages of 14 and 28, I was saved. I loved Jesus. I knew the Holy Spirit lived inside of me. I went along to my local Baptist church. I even started to run the youth group. I knew there was a Holy Spirit, but I didn't really know what he did. And I certainly wasn't filled with the Spirit. I didn't really even know what that meant. And then one day, through circumstances that God orchestrated, I believe, Jane and I uh, felt it right to leave the Baptist church that we were in, but we didn't know where to go. All All I knew was that about 20 minutes down the road in this place called Oxted, Uh, There was a church called uh, King's Church. It was part of New Frontiers. I'd met one person from that church once, but I felt God say, you need to go there. And I knew they were happy clappy, but I didn't really know what that meant. Uh, But that that was her description of them. And we decided to go. And so we turned up there this Sunday morning. Uh, I think the older girls were three and five. I think Jordan was a little baby in arms, our little one. And we stepped into this school canteen and the band seemed quite, you know, modern. And uh, there was flags draped everywhere. Do you remember those days? You used to have flags everywhere. And uh, the worship seemed lively, and the kids went off to their group, and the guy standing there speaking seemed all right. He didn't seem, you know, too religious or whatever. I could understand what he was saying. And they were talking about the Holy Spirit, and they were talking about being filled with the Spirit. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I kind of sat there listening and nodding. And uh, then he kind of said, we're going to have another worship time, and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. Now, that moment, I was sitting down in the chair... And I literally, uh, uh, Jane's holding the baby, and I start to talk to God, and I start to tell God, you know, God, I quite like this church. I think there's something here, but, you know, if things get weird, then I'm going to have to leave. And it, it sounds like things might get a bit weird, and, and I'll be all right, but Jane will freak out, right? That's what I thought. Jane will freak and then we'll have to leave. And we'll never find out whether this is the church for us. And basically, I'm telling God all the things why it would be good if nothing weird could happen this morning. And the guy up the front, I could hear him kind of say, invite the worship band back and let's encourage people to receive from the Holy Spirit. And at this moment, I put my hand, my head in my hands as I'm sat down. This is my posture. Right? And, uh, And I'm ranting inside at God because he's ruining everything and I'm wondering how long can I sit here hoping that it will stop before I have to look at Jane who's going to give me that look and we're going to have to leave that's what's going on inside and I can hear as time goes on a little bit there's a bit of worship music and I can hear some people are worshiping and I can hear some people are starting to cry and I can hear a few people are laughing and I can't see anything because I've got my eyes shut for fear of catching my wife's eye and I sense that whatever is going on is God and it's good. Uh, But as I say, the problem was that Jane really won't understand that. And uh, all I can say was that I was young and stupid at that time. I'm just old and stupid now. So after a few few minutes of ranting with God, um, I can't avoid it any longer. I feel like I've got to open my eyes and look at Jane and see if she's okay. So I try to open my eyes and I can't. So I try again and I can't. And then I try to move my hands that are placed on my head. But I can't. And I suddenly realize, because I'm not very quick, 
But while the Holy Spirit is touching some people and is causing them to worship or laugh or cry, I'm locked in my seat. Physically locked in my seat. And so I start to remonstrate with God silently but violently on the inside. How dare you lock me in place? What good is this going to do? I'm going to be in even more trouble with Jane when finally I move. What if there's a fire, God? I'm a policeman. I'm a policeman, God. Like God, you, what's God? I'm going to nick you, God. Come on, get me truncheon out. This is what was going on inside. God didn't really seem to take much notice. He just kind of impressed on me. You just need to sit still and be quiet, Dad. And eventually, after a few minutes, I agreed I would because I had no other choice. But I even tried to bargain with him just one more time. And I remember sitting there. I had my hands on my head. And I remember saying to God, okay, God, I'm going to sit quietly. I'm going to do what you say. You obviously know best. I just want to move my little finger so that I know that I'm not dead. And I haven't had a problem. So I literally said, okay, little finger, just move up and down and I'll know. Nothing. No, absolutely nothing. And I sat there literally locked. Just unable to move, unable to open my eyes, unable to speak, going through this anger of emotion and disbelief and fear of Jane, and, uh, and eventually just an unhappy surrender. And then I felt God say to me, okay, now you can move. And the ministry time was still going on. I kind of looked up to Jane. I remember standing there holding the baby, and she gave me kind of one of those looks like, what are you doing? Why did I marry you, uh, but she was quite peaceful, and uh, and uh, that was fine. And we had a coffee and got the kids. We drove her home. We spoke about it afterwards. And Jane had been wondering why I was sitting there, but she, but she, being a much nicer person than me, thought I was having a deeper, meaningful moment with God. <laughs> she thought I was receiving from God as I sat there locked in my chair. Uh, she didn't, uh, you know, she didn't know uh, what was really going on. But, you know, had God, and I said to her, I said, well, what did you think of what was going on? She said, I didn't quite know exactly what was happening, but I knew that it was God, and I knew that it was good, and it was okay. And so I was peaceful about it. But I said to her, actually, what would have happened, maybe, you know, if I, if I would have early on looked at you? She said, well, maybe we, we may have left, you know, because I didn't know what was going on. You know, maybe we would have gone. Had God not have locked me in that chair, we might have walked out of that church and never walked back in again. And two years later, I was leading that church. And we're still there as a family all these years later. Now, let me just explain something. God was not filling me with his Holy Spirit in that moment. He locked me in the chair, I believe, number one, to teach me something of his power, and number two, so that I couldn't mess up the plans that he had for my life. He wasn't punishing me. He wasn't scaring me. He was getting me ready for what he had for me. And actually, he shaped the next 20 years of my life because of that one moment. And he showed me, actually, God has the power to do whatever he wants to do. And I figured afterwards when I reflected on it, do you know what, God, if you can lock me in a chair for 20 minutes out of nowhere, then every miracle, every supernatural event that I read about in the pages of my Old Testament and New Testament, you can do. You can, you can make an axe head float, God, because you, you lock me in that chair. You can make an axe head float. You can, you can heal arthritis, because if you can do that, you can do that. That's what it left me with. 
So it wasn't frightening. It was a display of God's power, and it left me with this conviction that, no, no, whatever God says he has done or will do, he can do. So it gave me this appreciation of the power of God and what he can do. That's my first story. Anybody want to be locked in their chair today? No, okay. Second story I want to share with you, I call overwhelmed. That was locked. This one was overwhelmed. This, this, this was just a few weeks later. Because having started to attend that church, Kings, I decided to look into the Holy Spirit more. You can understand why, can't you? All right, I want to have a look in some more. I want to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And I told the guy leading me, leading the, the, the church about me being locked in the chair. And he said to me, have you ever been filled or baptized with the Spirit? I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've been locked in a chair. So he gave me a set of cassette tapes, shows how old I am, with a rubber band around them. And it explained, you've all had them, I bet back in the day, you know, a series on the Holy Spirit. And I listened to them and I looked up the verses and I came to the place of believing, no, no, I've been a Christian for years, I've had the Holy Spirit living inside of me, but I've never been filled with the Spirit. I've never had what you seem to read about in the pages, particularly the New Testament, after Pentecost, of this experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I decided that I was going to ask God to fill me with his Holy Spirit. And I was a policeman at the time. We had three kids under six. And uh, getting time and space was never easy. And that week I was on early turn. That meant getting up at about five o'clock in the morning. But I remember it was a Tuesday or Wednesday night. I stayed up late till Jane and the kids had gone to bed. And I was in my lounge. And at 10 o'clock at night, I started to pace up and down and ask God to fill me with his Holy Spirit. Right? And that I was up and down. Lord, if there's more for me, then I want it. Lord, I believe it's in your word. Lord, I, Lord, will you fill me? Up and down, up and down, two hours, nothing. Following night, because I'm nothing if not persistent, right? Following night, same time, in my lounge, got my Bible open, I'm reading the verses. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. If there's more for me, up and down, up and down, two hours, nothing. Third night, I'm, well, God, if it's a battle of wills you want, you know, I'm up for it. If you are, uh, third night, I think it was a Friday night, and I was tired. I was really tired from getting up early, but I walked up and down. God, this is in your word. I believe it's from you. Please, I walked up and down, walked up and down. And then it happened from out of nowhere. Suddenly, I felt the presence of God literally all around me. And I closed my eyes and stood there. And within a few minutes, it was like I was standing under a waterfall. But it wasn't water that was hitting me. It was waves of God's love. Waves of God's love. And after a while, maybe 20 or 30 minutes, I remember getting down onto my knees and I remember putting my hands above my head as though I was trying to protect myself from this crashing water, even though I wasn't scared, it wasn't hurting, and I knew it wasn't water. <laughs> but it was, it was, God's love was so tangible, so powerful. It was so overwhelming in its nature in that moment that kneeling and having my hands on my, over my head just seemed the most appropriate position to be in. And it carried on for a couple of hours. And at moments I laughed and at moments I cried and sometimes I stood and sometimes I knelt. But you know what? By the end of it, I knew 
whatever being filled with the Spirit was, I have just been. <laughs> I have just been. And I knew more than ever. I knew God loved me, but then I knew that God really loved me. <laughs> and in the weeks and the months that followed, I started to be able to kind of operate in a number of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I started speaking in tongues, which I couldn't do before. I found I started to have prophetic pictures and, and words for people. I'd never done that before. I'd like to say it sorted out my character, you know, my sanctification, becoming more like Jesus in an instant, but it didn't. Uh, that still needed and needs to be addressed by me every day, but it was an amazing experience of God's love. And it opened the door for me to begin to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, these supernatural gifts, some of which, like tongues, strengthened me, and some, like prophecy, that meant I could strengthen and encourage and comfort my brothers and sisters. When I didn't know what to say to them, I had more than just nice words. I had something from God. And when I look back, if being locked in the chair was this power encounter that changed how I viewed God, this overwhelming love encounter with the Holy Spirit both opened my heart and opened the doors to spiritual gifts. And that meant that I could either strengthen myself or I could strengthen others. And actually, when you look at Scripture, I see there are a number of things that I think we all need and that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings to us. Maybe love is one of those, like in my story. Romans 5.5, 5, and hope does not put us to put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Love. We need love, and the Holy Spirit is able to do that. Comfort. We heard something of this this morning. When you're downhearted, broken-hearted, because we live in this broken world amongst people that are broken, sometimes we just need comfort, don't we? And you're not going to find it looking around. <laughs> don't read the paper trying to find comfort. <laughs> but God has comfort. It's what the psalmist says. And the Holy Spirit is able to bring it to us. Hope. What about hope? The fact that we believe for a better day either because God changes things or because he will give us the power, the ability to get through whatever we're going through. The Holy Spirit may not change the circumstances. Things may not work out always as we want them to. Have you noticed we don't live in Disney World? We live in the real world. And though God will bring all things together for good, actually going through things, things may not work out as we wanted to. But guess what? With the Holy Spirit and hope with us, we can walk through those things. How about this for a triple whammy? Better than anything you'll get in Burger King. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Just think about that for a moment. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, though I do think it's part of it, if I'm honest, but that's just my opinion, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I mean, righteousness, just knowing that you're right before God. Peace. Peace, not like you're just, you know, relaxing, having a, you know, quiet day or whatever. Peace. You're at peace. It's not a turmoil within. What about joy? I don't mean I'm happy because everything in my life just fell into place for this day or this moment or this week. I mean joy. I mean righteousness, peace and joy from heaven. God has a storehouse in heaven 
And the Holy Spirit is able to go in, take those things, regardless of our situation, circumstance, whether we've been good, bad, indifferent, whatever. He's able to take those things and come and give it to us. That's my understanding. This storehouse of God, the storehouse of heaven available to us. How do we access that? Actually, we access that by the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus can say, it's better that I go. Because then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He's got access to all these things. I learned that through my second story. Final story, the third one I want to share with you. I call it clay because I didn't know where else to call it. Uh, it's really hand to someone else, but I was kind of part of it. But I was, you know, really this the idiot part of it. Um, but this, I think, I thought this was an amazing story of the Holy Spirit. A couple of years after I got filled with the Spirit, I started to lead the church, and uh, I had left the police force, and I was early 30s, and I had no theological training at all. And I was going to head up youth and evangelism in the church, and I decided to do that thing that New, New Frontiers used to do, which was FYP, a frontier year project. It was really for students finishing school or finishing university, and it had a bit of theological training in it. And because I'd done no theological training and I was going to be overseeing some people on FYP, I thought I'd do FYP. Now, I was the oldest person probably there uh, by, you know, by a lot. I was a 30-year-old. Most other people were like 17, 18. And we went away at the start of this uh, year for some training. And the f two of the first days were on the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. And in the afternoon, there was a ministry time when we got into twos and prayed for each other to be filled. And I saw one guy who looked older than me uh, in this whole room. And so we found each other. We made a beeline for each other and we kind of gave each other, you know, our names. And he said, oh, I've, I was a prison officer for the last 20 years and I've just stopped and now I'm working for the church. And I said, oh, I was a police officer for the last 12 years and I've just stopped working. Oh, a couple of old boys together. You know, we felt... That was good. And so, well, let's pray for each other to be filled with the Spirit. And he laid his hands on me and he prayed for me. And I felt the presence of God and received from God. And that was all good. And I thought, well, now it's my turn. I'm going to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit. And I prayed for him. And he started to shake a little bit. And he started to rock a little bit. So I stood behind him like we'd been taught. And then he kind of rocked all the way back and went on the floor. And I thought, well, great. I mean, he's clearly receiving from God. And that's all good. And to be honest with you, I felt very smug inside. It, you know, it's not very Christian. My attitude was, well, Jesus, I know it's you, but, you know, I did pray for him. And, you know, you're clearly, now I'm just being honest with you, you know. Uh, so there I was. I had my hand on his chest and I'm praying genuinely, but I'm also, you know, quite happy, really, you know, uh, quite smug. And this went on for 15 minutes, half an hour. And other people, are about 150 people in the room, they're finishing praying. And uh, the guy leading is saying, hey, if you need to go, then go. You know, we'll be having dinner in an hour or so. Keep praying if you want to pray. There's no rush. And blah, blah, blah. And the room thinned out. And I just kind of sat next to my guy praying for him and nodding, you know, <laughs> lovely when people came over. And the room thinned out. And then after about an hour, it was just me and him in the meeting room. Everybody else had gone. And then this thought went through my head. What if he's not meeting with the Holy Spirit? Right? What if he's not the Holy Spirit? And then suddenly, what if it's a medical issue? What if he's having a seizure? I mean, what if he needs urgent medical help? And I've been sat here. Oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, not me. Uh, what about that? And what happens if he dies? 
And I have to go to the coroner's court as a guy who was a policeman up till about three weeks ago and he needed urgent medical help. And when the coroner asked me, uh, Mr. Barlow, uh, why didn't you get urgent medical help? Because uh, I thought he was being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. What am I going to say? And so actually over the next hour, I did a mixture of praying for him and trying to rouse him. Do you know what I mean? Of trying to, And he's just laying there. And... Uh, in the end, I went and spoke to the guy who was leading the course. So he didn't seem that concerned. And I was trying to, like, you know, to act not that concerned. I just thought I'd let you know he's still there. And, all right. and I, I checked the pulse quietly. I'd done all that, you know, thing. And it's about half past six. And now dinner's been and gone. And the evening meeting is about to start. The band are coming back in. And I'm now really starting to panic, really. Uh, inside, I'm really panicking. And so I begin to kind of talk to him, like, you know, just show me. Just, you know, move something. And one or two on the others of the course that I knew came round and they started to ask if I was okay. And I started to kind of share my concerns with them. And the room starts to fill up with people. And I'm thinking, we cannot now have a two-hour worship session with this guy dying. <laughs> right? That is not going to go down well. And I'm, 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 I'm just mm, inside. And then he sat up. Oh, he sat up. And he looked at me and smiled. I'll be honest, I didn't know whether to punch him or kiss him. <laughs> I was just wound up like a thing. But praise God, he was alive. And afterwards, we spoke. And he said he could hear my growing concern. He said, I could hear it, but I, I could do nothing about it. I couldn't help you, he said. Because he was so focusing on what the Holy Spirit was doing. He did give me one piece of advice. I'll never forget this. He said, if it ever happens again, put a cushion behind the person's head. He said, because I've had this little piece of grit in the back of my head for four hours. And I'm like, honestly, in my heart, I did keep my mouth shut. You're worried about a piece of grit. I thought you were dead, right? And he told me what God had been doing over those last four hours, which he said didn't feel like four hours. He said felt like time completely stood still. He said that God had been showing him how over 20 years as a prison officer, his heart had got hard through some of the difficult situation and people that he'd had to deal with. And he said, I felt the Holy Spirit was reaching into my heart, which I saw as a lump of clay. And he was tearing off those hard pieces and he was bringing to mind the people and the incidents and the Holy Spirit was rubbing them with his hands until the clay went soft and then he could put it back in his heart. It's got to be worth a wow, isn't it? It is, isn't it? I mean, what? And the Holy Spirit is bringing all that to mind. He's taken away the hardness. And once that bit of clay was soft, he put it back and then he'd pull out another bit. And God said to him, this is necessary because otherwise you would have carried hard-heartedness from your previous job into the one that I have for you. The one I have for you, I need you to be soft-hearted. It wasn't about forgiveness. It was just about the hard-hearted and bitter and difficult things that he dealt with. And to be honest with you, there's me at first being all smug because I prayed the prayer that made this guy fall over. And then I'm being stupid, idiot, panicking and worrying. And all the time, God, by his Holy Spirit, is doing heart surgery with his own hands in this guy's life. I learned a few things from that. <laughs> but one thing is that the Holy Spirit, I think, always wants to address the heart. Because it's so often the heart of the matter. <laughs> Psalm 4, verse 23, above all, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it.
Let me bring some kind of application. I'm aware that these are three stories. They're all a bit dramatic, and you could think like stuff like this happens to me every day. It doesn't. Uh, this is the except. I tend to think of things, the Holy Spirit doing things under three categories, exceptional, regular, and daily. These are the more exceptional because they don't happen every day or every year. I've given you three. They're probably three of the most profound ones that I've had. You know, you can't chase after these kind of encounters. If you do, you'll just end up disappointed because if God doesn't do something more dramatic next time, you'll just be disappointed. So don't chase after experiences. We have a God who loves us. He's our father. We chase after intimacy with him. He does whatever he wants to do. Regular, I think for me, so these are the exceptional. Actually, I need regular meetings with the Holy Spirit. Like I think I need weekly ones. For me, that could be when I gather with my brothers and sisters in church like this, or maybe as a local church, we have some evenings where we just come and worship and receive. Maybe it's at a prayer meeting, a conference, or, you know, and God might, might move powerfully or gently. He might just gently reassure me. It, 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 whatever he may do might be dramatic, might be gentle, but it's always genuine and it's always needed. I just need to meet with the Holy Spirit every week. For me, if I want to meet with the Holy Spirit, I generally set aside an hour, get to a quiet room, start to worship, ask God, will you come and meet with me? I'm, I'm here to receive from you. And nine times out of ten, God does. And when he doesn't, then I say sorry for whatever I've done. Daily. For me, daily as well. I, for me, I just want to hear from the Holy Spirit every day as I read my word, as I, as I, as I prayer walk. Father, do you want to encourage me, highlight anything? And I know the Holy Spirit moves in different ways with different people, but I know for me I need to meet with him. And really that's my encouragement to you. It doesn't, don't compare yourself to somebody else or even the stories that I've given you. Know how you connect with the Holy Spirit. Know how you receive from him. Because I think he's willing to give. I'm just not sure that sometimes I make the time or I have the right necessarily heart to do that. But I do hope some of those stories have whetted your appetite for more of the Holy Spirit. Maybe as I've told them, maybe it's just reminded you of ways he's met with you. Maybe, maybe it's just reminded you when he did this or when he did that or how he did that or how he did that. Do you remember then? Do you remember then? Do you remember then? Maybe some of you are not filled with the Spirit. That's okay. Guess what? You can go on a journey of discovery like I did. might be different than my one, but you can. Start to read the Bible, start to have a look at the verses, start to ask God, will you fill me with your spirit? Maybe you are filled, but maybe, I don't know, COVID's been a strange time, hasn't it? There was a whole number of things I felt like sometimes I went a bit, a bit dull sometimes, maybe with things of the spirit as well, if I'm honest with you. You know, some things that I think, oh, I haven't done that for a long time. Do you know what, though? I realize, you know, embers just need a little breath. If a fire's there, it just needs a breath. And when the breath of God comes, woo, those things can come back to life. So I think we need to be, you know, we have some exceptional moments with the Spirit, regular moments with the Spirit, maybe on a Sunday. Daily, God wants to meet with us. But also I just have faith that maybe he wants to meet with some of us right now. Why not? I mean, what better use of the next 10 minutes could we have? And I don't know what God's going to do. He's God, he'll do what he wants. I mean, when he locked me in the chair, I didn't want that. He just did it. <laughs> when I got filled with the Spirit, he moved because there was a desire in me. And God kind of responded. 
So I, what I'd love us to do, that's the end of my preach, by the way. Uh, those are my stories. Uh, there you go. I hope you get something out of it. There we go. Right.